Greetings, fellow slingers, and greetings, fellow agents. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, welcoming you once again to our Delta Green Gaslight run-through. You know, I hope everyone out there is enjoying listening to this homebrew experience. I know that as the handler, I, for one, am really enjoying running it. And I always thought that the sweet spot, as far as agents are concerned, is is usually two agents. I don't know. Let me know if you, if you feel different about that. You know, I know that there's a lot of uh, other podcasts out there that that run two agents, they run three agents, they run four agents, and I always thought that that two was just the the sweet spot. Who out there remembers the uh, the first time they were introduced to Delta Green? I remember the first time Delta Green had come across my radar. All I saw was this large green triangle, the symbol for the fourth letter in the Greek alphabet, of course. Uh, it was eerily captured in this iridescent green on a field of black. And that was what caught my attention and really sparked my curiosity. What did this pertain to? What is this game? You know, so I did a little wading into the lore and it hooked me. And then I went deep diving into it and I was blown away. Conspiracies, aliens, government cover-ups, disavowed agents, civilians, Caught up in the intrigue, dude. Stop reading my thoughts, right? After that, it uh, it didn't take much convincing for me to get some of the materials so I could prep to start running this awesome game. It perhaps took a little more convincing to get the hard slingers of yore to jump on board, you know. But they did. And what we found, or at least what I found, was an RPG, not the rocket launcher. Get your dirty minds out of the gutter, agents. No, we found it. I found an RPG set in modern times with modern conveniences that remind your character why you should be afraid of the shadows. That those things lurking in your mind find a way out. You see, what I discovered is that the fear and threat of what's lurking, if presented right, can be more terrifying than that which actually lurks. Imagine that, right? The fear of the unknown. I've found that since running a few published scenarios, as well as a few homebrews, that tension in Delta Green doesn't have to be about the big fight. In fact, it's stated in the Agent's Handbook, although worded slightly differently. You know, I always find it's best as a slow burn as the suspense builds. And that's something I try to adhere to. Trust me, as someone who's played D&D and other fantasy RPGs you know, throughout the years, throughout the decades, in fact, that change in concept forced me to shift gears in how scenarios are presented. And you know what? I actually like it this way. I like not always having to worry about rolling for initiative, not worrying about changing my mindset or my the music that goes on in my mind or even the music that I put together when I edit the episodes. Because I think it should just be this, this gradual increase of tension as it continues to build, even to the even when you're in the crescendo of the moment. And I think that's where Delta Green really, really shines. And look at us now. So here we are, entering Gaslight Part 4. And to be honest, I didn't think it would go past Part 3. I thought that was stretching the idea that I had. And I knew where I wanted to go from point A to point B. And like I said before, I, I don't like to railroad my agents. Specifically, I don't like to railroad the players because 
I want to see them unfurl this onion. And the way that David and Chris have unfurled this onion, peeled it back, uh, really brings out the ingenuity of how different people play the game, whether it's Sam or Tony or Junior or Chris or Radke or even myself when I'm putting together the scenarios because I've got to put it together in my mind as well and see how I would play it and how somebody else might act to it. And it just lends credence that you're just never really sure how somebody's going to react in a certain portion of a scenario and how it may diverge from where you planned it to go. And I think that's what really what keeps it alive. It keeps it very fluid and something I'm very grateful for with my players as we play via the digital rage room behind our virtual eyes of destiny. So well, let's not wait any longer. Let's just warm up our dice and top off our glasses. Roll the Hard 20 podcast presents Gaslight Part 4. Enjoy, everybody. There is a comma there. Enjoy, comma, everybody. Don't enjoy everybody. That's, that's just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> I am, and it's actually not a like a. It is, but I'm using this like peach mango fucking. It's like a like a liqueur mixed with it. Okay, it's not really a screwdriver then. If you're using it's peach not mango with the it's liqueur, some Trader just, Vic's type stuff, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I had vodka too, and I thought about it. I'm like, oh, I got this stuff that I haven't opened, and I want to yeah. buy it. But I really, I'm big on my using nipples up tingle. Refrigerator. Yeah, this would be much better. Yeah. My nippies are so hard they could cut glass. <laughs> I'm over here sipping on hot tea, so I can't say a whole lot. So cheers. 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 Well, I've got water. This nice. has been a hot day. Uh, you got a haircut, didn't you? I did. I needed to. It's, you got them all cut. Yeah. It's like having a Wookiee sitting on my head all day long. <laughs> Just, you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't working out for me, but. So how is everyone doing since last time we uh, jumped on our gaslight run through here? That's good. Let's take everybody's temperature. Let's, let's put the old thermometer in your anus. Oh, God. And you could, uh, Can we get the Vaseline this time? No. No, we're not going to do that. It takes the fun right on. out of it. Um, but let's touch. Uh, tell just, me what everybody's thinking about right now. Touch, touch me, Daddy. Um. You know the difference that I realized from this one from um so gaslight to deep waters. In deep waters, we were gone. We were off in this boat in the middle of nowhere. So we there was no outside world. There no there was no like, well, let's just stop at a convenience store and get a burner cell phone. It's very you know? isolated. Yeah. yeah. I wanted that to that particular scenario to feel like no matter which direction you went, you could not escape whatever was what you guys had to deal with. There was no reinforcements. There was nothing, nothing else that you couldn't procure on site. Yeah. If it wasn't there, it wasn't there. And yeah. like on this one, it's like, you know, we could probably go to a hardware store if we needed something, or we could, you know, get in contact with Heisenberg and go to that green box and stuff. Well, right now it's, you know, before I lead us in, I'll just tell you, it's probably about f almost five o'clock. So, Beer 30. Well, 
hold on a second, a Romeo. Um, I was rice meaning that there's probably a lot of places that that might be closing up shops soon. So let me lead us in and we'll discuss further. Greetings, fellow slingers. Welcome back to World of Hard 20 podcast. It is I, your trusted handler, Brian, and with me, agents Romeo Ramirez and Corbin Salt Rice. Stop it. Episode four of our gaslight run through. So as I was talking with the two agents here, uh, it's getting on five o'clock. You guys had just finished going to that green box cache. You guys procured a few items of interest. You got back in the squad car that you procured from Lieutenant Fontenot. And you guys are on your way back to the bullpen at the NOPD precinct. How's everyone feeling as far as what you guys have seen so far? The whole reason why you guys are out here. Uh, give me a rundown, Agent Rice. Tell me about your the reason why you're out here. Uh, I'm here because I was... You mean from just why I'm in Delta Green? No, no. What brought oh, why we're both here. of you out here to... Uh, Green box? To, yeah, to New Orleans. Oh, to New Orleans? Yeah. Honeymoon. Yeah, yeah honeymoon. Um, no, we, um, you know, Delta Green uh, has, has placed us here on on a mission, we'll call it, air quotes, mission. We're not supposed to be here, but... Um, no, um, I mean, you guys had certain parameters that Heisenberg had specified. You guys knew about several deaths that have occurred in the districts of uh, of New Orleans. Some of these, most all the bodies are missing their head and their upper part of their shoulders. I think that uh, you guys had happened on the uh, the fifth death, actually made it to the crime scene as they were trying to wrap up. You saw the medical examiner, Dr. Broussard, come out there as well. You guys had a few brief words with him. But your whole purpose also is to locate Randall Schaefer, who was once a friendly turned agent of the agency. And he basically absconded with a bunch of critical, a collection of items from Delta Green. Certain things that he asked you to, you know, uh, Heisenberg asked you to bring back, as well as the dossiers that on several agents, including both you and Ramirez. And the, you know, the urgency that Heisenberg made it sound like uh, it's possible there's some really uh, very important dossiers in there that probably go higher up. Yeah, and we we don't have a lot of time to ascertain his location, apprehend him, um, you know, and, and retrieve those dossiers. Yeah, because he was um, supposed to blow out of there within, uh, I think, two was. days. <clears throat> yeah, it was 48 hours. Yeah, like and six weeks or something, right? Only. Yeah, and, you know, we're on the clock right now. And this running around, yeah. you know, trying to, to pick up equipment and and um, having to talk to the lieutenant because he wants us back at the bullpen. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at like, we're on the clock, Romeo. We got to get this stuff figured out because we don't have much time. Yeah, Ramirez, you were saying that he's only had like six weeks to do all this. And that's true. I mean, that seems like a long time, but he probably settled in to New Orleans feeling that he was confident until the agency sent the first team out for him. Yep. And they were brought out because of the deaths or is that what spawned the deaths? You know, there's 
You're not getting a lot of information on which which happened first, the chicken or the egg, where the agents sent out and then that team was annihilated or mm-hmm. were the people starting to get killed first. And then you, once you get on scene, you realize that you're not the only feds out there right now either. You see that there's another team that's working this that got there before you did and actually spoke with Lieutenant Fontenot. And it's anybody's guess at this point who these other guys are. Well, it's speculation at this point. We don't know. We just know that there's another team. Right. We have no idea if it's another Delta Green team or, you could know, be maybe. Feds. Could be the actual. Could Heisenberg. Be feds. Heisenberg said that he didn't know anything about it, but that doesn't mean, you know, that's not the gospel truth. Yeah. We're, we're in the dark, probably just as much as uh, all the other folks that are, you know, part of this right now. I get a feeling that a lot of Delta Green missions are of this sort of parameter, you know, like you have no idea. You just figure it out on the way. Yeah. And I think you, we were kind of messaging back and forth before we got on air and you were asking, you know, what about money? Mm -hmm. What about cars, weapons and stuff? And like I had spoke to uh, Agent Ichimaru and uh, (laughs) actually it's his first name, Kimura, Agent Kimura and, and Agent Odesso, when they had asked the same questions and I said the same thing that, uh, it's all alpha protocol. Basically, you're you're procuring certain things in the field while you're on the mission. Sometimes they could provide you with a rental car or they could stock the rental car full of weapons or something to a degree. But in most cases, because you guys are flying commercial, you guys can't really take that stuff with you. You have to find a way to get them on site. And that brings up the whole green box venue as well you know sometimes some areas have green boxes that are localized where you can get certain uh, weapons if they've been left there sometimes the green boxes have been left empty or there's other things in there besides weapons but it's anybody's dice roll to see whether or not there will be a green box on the mission so i was uh really really yeah i was really hoping there'd be a stack of 20s in that last one but i mean we're you know i would assume this guy's got a federal job and Ramirez is well about town. Would we have cash in our wallets? Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you roll a D20 and a D10? D10 and and a D20. Come on, big money. Come on, big money. What's the D10 and the 20? Talking to me or him? Either one. Ramirez, what do you have? I got a 6 and a 16. Okay. So you have $616 on you. Oh, we're set, brother. <laughs> three and like kings. <clears throat> so you three have and three, 14. So you have 314 on you then. Okay. okay. So you get, and you very probably figure because Romeo, you like to hit the, the casinos wherever you go. Yeah. Always bet on black. Thank you, Wesley. Play the old, uh, the line, all that stuff. I don't know. I don't do it myself. So I don't know. So you guys are on your way back to the uh, NOPD precinct, driving in the cruiser, trying to get there before they have their meeting in. Are we still you know, kind of in that like um, rundown neighborhood? No, like you guys have already up. left that area. You guys are back on the 10, making your way back into the district area. I think I said it was only maybe 25 minutes outside of where you, where the precinct is at. Yeah, it was 15 miles out. Yeah. One of the things that um, I was hoping to do was to get like a spent casing out of this rifle. So like you want to fire one off, you mean? Or mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, 
I mean, maybe the ATF uh, agent. He's like, um, he's like, you know, Agent Salt. I don't know uh, uh, what the end game here is, but uh, if if we're gonna plant this rifle on somebody or something, it might be uh, good to do a little lead up to that. You know, maybe we uh, get a couple used casings and put them somewhere near that crime scene. Yeah. Okay. So, go ahead. The, the rifle's still in the case, which is in the back of the trunk, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me what you guys want to do as you start leaving this neighborhood before you get to the precinct. Describe this for me. So uh, Salt's driving, and I think that he just kind of, he, you know, he says this, and Ramirez leans over the back seat, and you, you see just kind of like his butt's up in the air, super awkward, and he's reaching around, and he goes into this evidence kit that he has. Now, you're not going to be able to get into the back seat because you're in a cruiser. Oh, through the thing? Yeah, ah. you won't be able to get back in there. You'll actually have to pull over, and you're going to have to work this whole thing out. Okay. So my idea was to just put the barrel out of the window and just fire one off so that the brass will go off inside the car and we can just grab it. And if we're moving, there's less chance of somebody uh, seeing us. You you want to be able to hear for the rest of the mission, right? That'd probably be a good idea. Yeah, you, you can't be firing that off in this vehicle, uh, Ramirez. Mm-hmm. You're going to blow out your eardrums and you're going to blow out these these uh, windows. How, how do you think we're going to um, explain that to the lieutenant when we get back to to the PD. If we just shoot it out the window? No, are you, are you, you you want to put the whole rifle outside the window? I no, just put the barrel. Yeah, I I would uh <laughs> I would recommend against that. We Well, it's a bolt action, so the the casing isn't going to eject until you pull the bolt back. Have we driven out yet? I don't think we've said yeah, that we've driven away yet. I was under the impression that you have already left that that neighborhood of projects okay. and whatnot, and you guys are on your way back. Are so we on the you, highway or are we? Yeah, someplace? imagine you're on the 10. And imagine that there's there's places you could turn off that's desolate before you get back like, into the the area properly. He gets out, pulls it, just pop and puts it down. Yeah, don't don't shoot that up into the sky. You you could potentially kill somebody. Fire it into the ground. So we'll we'll pull. I'm gonna find as on the 10, I'm looking for some place that we can pull off. Okay, you find um, an area kind of, that you can pull off. Yep, yep pull off, um, you know, off into the bushes or whatever. Um, and then I say, okay, Ramirez, now you can go ahead and fire this thing off, but don't fire into the sky. Just shoot the, the barrel, point the barrel down, and then fire off around. But before you do that, how did you put that uh, ammunition into the bolt? Did you do that with your hands? Was it, no, or no, was no. it already there? So he's got an evidence kit. So he's wanting to put gloves on before he touches anything and before okay. he touches the brass. Um, yeah, so I think um, that those are things that Ramirez is, uh, he doesn't know a lot about firearms. So he may be assuming that he can do all those things. And he, he knows enough from like the cop shows and legal aspect to cover him. But um, he may even need like, is this the way that the, does the bullet go into the, you know, into the chamber this way? Um, but yeah, he would open up the um, open up the rifle case, pull it out. He's got his gloves on. He starts putting in the bolt. And uh, yeah, and even around. like with the trunk light, this is you're really seeing the rifle for the first time, illuminated. Because back in the green box and that 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 shut down walk-in freezer, you're just kind of catching stuff through you know waving flashlight and half shadowed and stuff. But now you really see that this thing is 
it's pristine but you know you get a sense of you get a sense of history with this the the, the 1930s deep, right yeah like the deep wooden stock you know just dark colored and you see that the whole barrel and the in the the breech is completely blued but it's well taken care of and you see the six rounds sitting in their tips up just waiting he'll reach in and um i think two is good for planting evidence um again that this is this is my idea but as an atf agent he may be able to add a little bit more to it but um he's gonna look around and is if there's no immediate eyes on him try to load that thing up and walk over and inconspicuously just you know pull one off into the bushes yeah just make sure you got that barrel pointed down there ramirez <clears throat> I'll, I'll keep watch i'll look around and just kind of look at the off ramp and around us why don't you make your way into the bushes a little bit what is around us is it like yeah uh, just like just like flat ground Mm-hmm. kind of very humid you get the sense that there's probably bodies of water close by you see tall grass green bushes and and trees like mangrove trees off to the side and stuff yeah we're just out here hunting man looking for these deer right off the side of the highway yeah look at that they got that mobile. yeah get caught a bass mobile. we're from so, out of town so while he's going kind of into the bushes to get a little bit of cover i'm looking around do i see anything you know like it's does very this look like Sporadic. I mean, occasionally you see like a set of headlights way off in the distance as they start making their way and you clock it. It probably takes it about 90 seconds for the car to come up on you. Doesn't even really slow down, but you can see the driver kind of look at the at the car you're in, realizing it's a police cruiser with the trunk open, you know, with the triangle hazard in the trunk and everything and just keeps selling off another 90 seconds later, completely out of sight. Okay. And it's like I said, the traffic here is really, really thin. Romeo, just pop this thing off. We got to get out of here. We don't want to be hanging around. Sure. We got to get to this bullpen. So, um, yeah. Um, do I need to roll for this? No, because you're just firing it into the ground. So, so he'll fire yeah. two, and then he oh, wants okay. to pick up the brass, and it's going to be hot. So maybe Hold he on takes a second. Like his as you, mm-hmm. as you shoulder this thing, mm-hmm. put the bolt forward. You know, you load the round in, put the bolt forward, squeeze off the trigger. The same time the round goes off you don't even hear the round go off agent rice you do but ramirez you hear a distant screaming in your ears and for the briefest moment you see a soldier fall like 300 meters in front of you wearing world war ii attire standing next to some large stone statue you witness it's his intestines being shredded out and I need you to make a sanity roll. Yeah. 74 over 57. Oh, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, you take four points of sanity damage. You got to be getting close to your breaking point. Got to watch it's that. 53. What's the breaking point? It'll say BP on your oh. character sheet. <laughs> I got Uno Moss, man. Okay, you better watch it. You just, you get the sense that whatever this rifle had been used to do in the past there's probably a reason why it was sequestered in that green box yeah ramirez for a second is like we gotta take this hill we gotta we what <laughs> wait <laughs> take a, this. oh 
And he looks back and he catches eyes with Rice, who's like, speed it up, man, let's go. Because he has no idea what just happened. He looks down at the rifle and he looks and he kind of, he's like looking for this guy that he just shot in his mind. And he's just takes another deep breath, you know, just another day on the job. Yeah, so in, in the yeah. back of your mind, you could you could reminisce about pulling that trigger, and the, you hear "Dasvadanya" in your mind, just "Dasvadanya," "Vadanya," "Vadanya." You know, obviously, because this is a a, a Russian-made weapon, so mm-hmm. you get the idea that this is probably used maybe during the Battle of Stalingrad. He's like know. feeling a little bit of cold, like phantom yeah. cold. He's like, it got chilly out here. This is weird. Yeah, and Rice is like. What are you talking about? So um, do you squeeze out that second round? Yeah. Okay. You don't get the you don't experience the same feeling that you felt the first time. And you do it with trepidation too. You just I don't here we go. Yeah, fire that bitch Up off. The time travel. Um okay. And you don't feel it, but you still hear well. Well, they'll have a drink on the house for that one. You know, you just get that feeling of of nostalgia. I wish I knew more Russian. Russian John Wick. What do they call him in that movie? The uh, Baba Yaga. Bobby Yaga. Bobby Bobby Yaga. Yaga. It's like signed. It's a Baba Yaga <laughs> freaking rookie <laughs> rifle. Um, yeah, so uh, he's going to look around and see if he can see the uh, shells on the ground. You'll see one shell. The other one's still in the rifle until you open up the breech and then it pops it out all right i think he'll he's still a little shaky so he kind of like you know he has a trouble with the bolt and then it slides and like almost like he doesn't know his own strength it pops and it like flies off his shoulder for a second and he's got to like dig around and start picking the things up and you find both both shell casings they landed fairly close to each other because you really didn't move kept your feet planted loaded fired into the ground you know went through your whole psycho synapsis thing fired off another one same position so they're all within maybe 20 inches of each other so you scoop maybe them he up. takes out like a little baggie from his evidence kit puts it in there with like a pen you know just no fingerprints he's trying to be as for forethought as possible and when he walks over to the car he's very quiet you know you see like his eyes just look a little different when he comes to the car Rice, you see another car starting to approach again as it drives by. Go ahead and make a D20 roll for me. Ten. Ten. You see the the driver briefly look and then continue looking straight ahead. He doesn't take really any interest in you whatsoever. Ramirez, you all done? We got to get out of here, man. There's, this is uh, too many people around here and we got to move. And he's packing the rifle back in the box, putting that in, puts it into the duffel bag, zips it up. Okay. Need to hurry it up. Let's go. Jumps in. And uh, he's like, I think um, as we move on, I know they want us both to go to this bullpen, but uh, I think we should split up. What do you, okay. What what are you thinking? Why why do we need to split up? I don't think they're going to let us keep this car. So I think it'd be good to... um, try to find some other transport and then i think we need somewhere to um some kind of base of operations so maybe i'll get a motel or something okay do you want to you want to do that down uh we're around the crime scene i think that's probably best considering that's uh folks may have seen uh our target there yeah 
I think somewhere it doesn't have to be anything fancy somewhere we can play pay cash and um, we can kind of stash. I don't I don't think we need to be walking around with this huge rifle. Um, any of these weapons we need to, you know, put somewhere safe um, just yeah. for now. Maybe you could find uh, Patricia Hill at the station. The other contact. Talk to her. Yeah, I'm I'm good with that. Let's uh, uh, let's get out of here. We'll we'll drive uh, down by the crime scene. I'm sure that there's uh, you know some place that we can stay. I'll drop you off. Um, did did we ever determine? Do I have a cell phone also, or do we just have a cell phone from our handler? All I know is the one about the one from the handler. Now I don't know if you typically have one with you. I imagine that being part of the ATF, you probably would have one, but you're not out here on an official capacity, so I don't know if you would carry it with you. Yeah, I've just got. Uh, if you want to make a luck roll to see, you can take the Heisenberg cell phone, and Ramirez actually has one on his sheet, so um, you know, and we can swap numbers. Yeah, let's do Save that. Me as a contact. Yeah, that's Ooh, fine. A, a picture too with the, you know. Oh. Give me your digits. Yeah. So I'll take the the phone, you know, from from him. Um, I don't have one on me. Oh, actually, no, I do. I have an encrypted smartphone with me. I just looked at my sheet. I have an encrypted smartphone. Okay. Very nice. So you're good with that then? Yep. I'll use my smartphone. I'll take uh, Ramirez. Give me your digits. I'll give you mine. I and feel like then... when Ramirez goes to take the cell phone back when you realize you have one and Rice is like, I don't think so. And looking at that <laughs> cell phone reminds you that there's one other contact in that flip phone besides Heisenberg, and that would be the individual who works for the power company. Yeah, because we, uh, we're going to have to talk to that guy at some point. All right, what are so we I'm thinking uh, with that guy? I think Patricia Hill, just uh, off the brain, she can give us some kind of um, information possibly about Doc Rundahl. Um, and then if, if you have more ideas there, and then he said he could give us a window of darkness. He can like flip the switch basically. Um, I wonder if there's anything else that we could exploit that for. I, you know, we gotta be careful. I, I don't think we're gonna be able to just uh, whip out an hour power outage when we feel like it. We're gonna have to be a little uh, tactical about, yeah. about taking out power, you know, on an entire block. In my wildest dreams, I see a big showdown, and the guy's like, oh, I'm magical, and Ramirez is like, well, watch this, and that's when the time, and it immediately goes down in the, you know, made-for-TV movie. But I don't I see that happening here. So you start getting back into the New Orleans proper. You start passing places, uh, motels, whatnot. Tell me what you guys want to do. His time is ticking. Ramirez is like right here. Just let me out of the okay. curb. I'm good. Let me grab this bag. I okay. saw so I pull over. I pop the trunk from uh, inside with the, the trunk latch. And he drops you off in front of a motel. It's called Leave It In. Leave It In. Two ends. Yeah. Okay. So he'll exit the vehicle and then go to the trunk, pick up the duffel bag puts the thing down and he just gives it like the shave and a haircut on the back. And he's like, what, two hours, three hours reconnect. Yeah. I, I don't think it'll be anything longer than about two hours. Ramirez, you just watch your back, man. There's, there's some stuff going on and you're watch yourself. Cause you're been acting a little strange since you we got here. Me. Come on, man. This is just me. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you try to get some shut eye while I'm gone. Cause I know you haven't slept. 
I do my best thinking when I'm fucked up. <laughs> he's like, I do need to get some. And he like, that's when the eye sees the liquor store on the corner. And he's like, <laughs> I got you. So I drop him and then I take off to NOPD. Okay. Ramirez. Standing on the curb, looking in front of the leave it in motel. Let's address so, you first. Was it still going to take Rice a little time to get down to the precinct? Ramirez will walk into the office. Um, okay. I'm assuming there's a is, is a couple buildings and one stands out as the office. No, everything's you could tell is is integral to the singular building. It's two stories. It's got you know the whole plantation type shutters out front, but they look like they're fixed. It's more for for beautification than actual practical shutters. You go through the arched doorway, which is basically a glass. It has a little gold layers that says pull and push, you know, so you go through it. You see off to your left, the counter, no glass in front of it. You just see a large heavy set woman with her hair up in a beehive. And she's reading a, looks to be some kind of like a local rag or something, maybe Star Magazine, Esquire, whatever, you know, one of those, you know, bat boy found with an eight inch okay. tongue. Yeah, neighbor's house, something like that. He'll walk up and he's what he's going to try to do is to like get on this woman's good side. Ooh. So he'd be like, Oh, did you read the issue with the one about the uh, the boat where they found all that alien stuff at the bottom of the ocean? She looks at me and she says, Darling, I've read them all. Okay, what that was one of my favorites. I didn't want to be no reading that. Look, why are you making small talk with me? Nobody in here, we we rent by the hour if that's what you need, but uh. Normally, people that come in here by themselves, they don't rent by the hour. I'm just looking for a room. Just passing the time, ma'am. Well, so 50 bucks for the evening. Okay. And then he pulls out $50. Here you go. Thank you. you. And there's going to be a uh, a deposit for room damages of another $50. All right. $50. She reaches back, gets a key off the wall behind her, hands it to you. You see it's one of those cheap pseudo gold oval rings it says the number 43 on it it's got a singular key on it there you go darling right down that hall on the right hand side he's like no name this is my kind of place and he's just like all right thank you and he turns around picks up the duffel bag you'll and- see why there has no name really required there darling God. and as you're walking by you see there's there's cameras in the corners and stuff so you know there's eye in the sky watching you make your way down the hallway you see room 43 on your right all right he'll you know give a cursory glance if anybody's standing there with like a bat about to kill me any uh tufts in the hallway or anybody watching me or anything like that no but you hear people i mean the walls are paper thin even in the hallway so you can imagine how thin the the walls are within the room itself so He'll walk up and just kind of sh- jimmies the key back out of his pocket where it was and goes to open it up, slides it in the lock. Yep, opens up. Opens up. Okay. Plain cheesecake. It's all dark inside. It's one of the uh, street side rooms. Okay. He immediately goes over and like hits the AC, which is not working. He's like, yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's one of those ones that's below the window. Mm. You know, they have those in those motels. And it's, you know, you flip on a, a, a light switch, you see a 30-watt bulb illuminate 
You see a couple cockroaches scatter. You could hear coupling of, of people in the room next door. It's just, it's just gross. Yeah. He's going to pull out a black light. No, um, he will it's got lock a singular queen size bed in the middle of the room. Um, the lamp, of course, that you clicked on. It's obviously a really dirty bathroom or whatever, and there's no TV or anything. It's just deathly quiet other than what you're hearing through the walls around you and, and whatnot. You said there is a bathroom? Yeah. Okay. I think very first thing, he's going to text Agent Rice the name of the place, just so that's communicated. Um, and like room 43, we're set up. And um, he'll go right to work. He's going to start hiding. Is there, he's going to do like a search of the room. Is there a vent, something that he could put this rifle in? There is a vent that's above. Okay. Like uh, in the wall. You get the idea that for whatever they use for heat, probably have centralized heating. The AC is coming, pumping through the window. Uh, it's not very deep, though. It's probably not enough to hide a full rifle case. Not the size of the case that that, that rifle came in. Can he do just the rifle? It'd be a little bit smaller. Why don't you give me a luck roll? With Come on, D20. baby. Come on, baby. A four. Four? You got yeah. it. Oh, nice. All right. So he'll put that in there and, like, uh, screw it back up. Really you just more to, you know, make sure the maid doesn't come in and find anything. I think in the future I'm going to have it 11 and above is a success because we want to have that hard 20. as you got to have that as a success. So okay. we're going to start switching that. 11 and above. Yeah, but before it was 10 and below was always a, as a, yeah, a success. 10 and below was always a success. Remember that so we know how to cheat. I mean, we're all good. No, we ain't cheating. We don't yep. cheat on our diary. Nah. Look at that. Um, so the other thing that Ramirez wanted to do was um, just clear up maybe a quick shower and um, get rid of any other evidence from uh, shooting the gun. And, okay. um, yeah. and that's all personal hygiene. And as you're doing that, we transition over to Agent Rice as you bring the squad car back to the precinct. You pull it into the parking lot in a you know parallel park it next to one of the many cruisers that are already out there as you exit you see that there's a set of stone steps maybe eight ten of them that lead up into the double doors that lead into the precinct itself tell me what you wish to do so i'll uh i'm getting out of the car and just kind of looking around looking around to see if um anybody looks like they should or maybe shouldn't be there okay why don't you give uh, me an alertness check uh, alertness check. Alertness. Uh, that's a 36 on uh, 50. There you go. Yeah, you're looking around. You see that there are a couple of uh, police officers. They're watching you as you pull up, kind of talking amongst themselves as they watch you, and, you know, kind of sneering and, and not really laughing or anything, but they are taking notice of you as you exit the car and whatnot. I don't see anybody else in the parking lot that doesn't look like they belong there. No, everybody else there seems to be part and parcel to the NOPD. Okay. Um, I'll make my way up the stairs into the, uh, I guess it's the foyer of the, uh, the precinct. Is, yep. is there anybody in the, the front there? 
Yeah, there's all kinds of people. It's it's not like Terminator where you got the single guy, you know, you gotta help you, you know. <laughs> you actually see that there's you know, there's a normal desk off to the side where you got the um, sergeant of the watch and he's watching, he's like, Can I help you? Hey, uh Sergeant, I'm uh, Agent Rice with the FBI. I'm uh, here to see uh Lieutenant Fondo. Oh yeah, he's uh he's right in the back. Why don't you go ahead head on back? He's expecting you. Okay, just go down yeah. th through this door and down yeah, the hall? Yeah, just go through the door right behind me here. It'll lead you right into the bullpen and then the offices. You you should see the lieutenant. He should be right out in front there talking to the rest of the men. All right. Thanks much, Sergeant. And you go through the door. You enter the room and you see it's a large bullpen-esque uh, area. There's desks all around. They don't have any of the partitions, but you do see that along the side walls there are office stores with glass paneling and whatnot. You see a lot of shutters are drawn on some of them. Some of them are, the doors are open, the lights are off. Others, the doors are closed with the lights on. And you see off in the back, you see Lieutenant Fontenot. He's talking to a couple of the of the officers and he catches your eye and he says, you see him kind of like holding a finger up to his men as he starts walking towards you. And he says, uh, Agent Ross, welcome back. Uh, I hope your little journey has been fruitful. Oh, it has been. Thank you. Thanks for the use of uh, the vehicle. Um, yeah. It, it helped. And I hand him the keys. We're... Thank you. I appreciate it. I'll get that back to uh, the officer. Um, where's uh, Agent Ramirez? Uh, Agent Ramirez, he was, uh, he, he needed a rest. You know, we, we uh, hopped a plane to get down here pretty quick and he just, he needed to get some sleep. He was starting to get a little uh, loopy. So oh, I, you, sh you should have let me know you needed a place to stay around here. You'd, you want to be really careful where you stay. You know, I could have turned you on to a good place. Uh, some places are, are less favorable, more seedy. And I just don't want you to get stuck in some, some less than uh, hospitable place that might take advantage of you. Um, so, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I think Agent Ramirez can, uh, can handle himself. I, I'm not too worried about him at this point, but thanks for your concern. Yeah, uh, you know, we had our meeting here about 15 minutes ago before I broke everybody. We tried to hold off as long as we could to go over the things that were going on with uh, with the task force and all. Uh, I'll have to catch you up to speed. Uh, why don't you follow me and I'll show you the conference room that we are using uh, basically for the task force. And as, as he starts walking you towards one of the offices in the back, he's all, you know, what? I heard, I heard from the uh, Dr. Broussard. Yeah, the good, the good man. He, uh, the good me, says, uh, you all had some words back at the crime scene. Uh, you two piqued his interest, and he was hoping that at some point, uh, you might want to pay a little visit to him. Maybe uh, answer a few of his questions. He seemed to get the feeling that you might have known more about what was going on than you were perhaps letting on. Maybe telling the rest of us. Oh, I, I don't know how he would, uh, you know, ascertain that. I mean, we're we're new to this investigation, just like you are. We have the same information you do. Uh, I mean, I'd be happy to talk to, uh, <clears throat> you know, the doctor at some point after you kind of give me a rundown of what's happening here. But yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah, why don't you come on in here? And he opens up a door and you see that there's paneling inside this this office, almost like a like pegboard that they have in a half octagon and you see all around it are the notes of all the the deaths you see all these pictures all about you you see just all kinds of stuff of you know just 
most of the stuff is, is covered up with construction paper to prevent curious officers from getting nightmares with what's underneath these things. But as he starts going over closer to the to the more recent one, you see that there's a couple of dead bodies with their heads missing and stuff. You, you could tell that these are photographs that the ME probably had taken before collecting the bodies. And you see just all this just nightmarish thing. And I would like for you to make a criminology check. Criminology check. All right. That is 54 under 70. 54 under 70. You see that not only are the bodies that you're seeing similar in that all their heads have been torn off, but you notice that the, the neck strips, they look shredded, possibly by claws or fangs or, or some kind of a large animal, which almost defies logic how something like that would occur in a, in a populated city-type place. But it's, it's no different than the body that you had seen originally a few hours earlier. But you're seeing photographs of all the bodies. And he says, uh, you know, why, why don't we go ahead and uh, make sure that these, these blinds here are closed. And I'm going to take off the rest of these, these construction boards. I really want you to see some of the stuff that's going on here. And he, so he pops off all the thumbtacks and you see that close-up shots of the body in the esophagus you see the sidewalk smears you see all the blood spatter and everything and you get the feeling of every one of these crime scenes with the exception of different addresses and different backdrops are all almost identical and as he's standing there with his arms folded you hear somebody in the background back in the bullpen yell something looks back and he's all hold on a second there agent and he pokes his head outside he comes back he's like you're gonna have to excuse me agent but uh I, I gotta get back out to the bullpen real quick apparently they need me but take the time and see if there's anything here that makes sense to you and he leaves the con that little conference room that they've procured for the task force is that um is the door so in that room can i is it kind of loud outside you know in outside the bullpen it's muffled i mean you're in a conference room now but yep. out, outside of the conference room is where the bullpen's at and you could hear people talking yeah. and going on and whatnot uh you notice that there's a there's several maps on one of these thumb boards and it shows like where all the bodies were found all over the place so is there a door on this conference room? I'm assuming there yes, is. Yes, there is. Okay. I'm going to go and shut that door, you know, just so I'm not distracted by the sound of, you know, the, the officers and everything going on out, okay. outside. Sure. And and I go back up to that pegboard and I start looking at over all the pictures. And one of them, I, I want to look at the one that you mentioned that, you know, the neck is like blown open, but you said it had, I think, like animal type claws on it. Yeah, the way how the the necks of all of these victims look, all the wounds look identical. And they're all not just they're just not all just blown open, but it almost looks as though they were shredded open. Uh from the inside or the outside? From the outside. From the outside. And they all look the same. If I all so I'm gonna compare. I'm looking at them, I'm just I'm doing a compare, like, you know, my my eyes back and forth just to to pick out any nuance or anything that may be different. Um, can I tell, 
at least from the neck down, are these all male or female or a mix? They're a mix. Okay. Male, female, black, white, uh, old. It didn't matter. Whatever was going on, it was uh, indiscriminate as okay. to who the victims were. Okay, and there were there were five total deaths, I think it was? Yes, you're up to five at this point right now. And these pictures, though, are only for four, or does it include the latest? It includes the latest one, which is okay. the ones that were uncovered at this point. And then he came okay. and uncovered the rest, so you can see the rest of the stuff that was behind the uh, the construction paper. Okay. Um, besides the pictures of the, the bodies, is, are there any other photos other than the maps? Is there any other evidentiary photographs? Just of, of people that knew the victims, like spouses or, or witnesses. You see a couple of pictures of the police officers that had canvassed the onlookers. They wanted to see who was in the crowds. So I I want to look closer at the all of the other associated pictures, and okay. I I want to really examine the the ones that show the crowd or onlookers. Either make an a uh, make a criminology check. All right, criminology check is a thirty six under seventy. Under seventy, you're looking in the crowds. And you notice that in one crowd, there's a gaunt-looking, tall African-American man. He looks to be in his late 50s. Doesn't look well. And the only reason why he stands out is because you just noticed him in one of the other pictures as well. Um, it, go ahead. Two different crime scenes. Okay. So I'm just making a mental note of that. I'm not writing anything down. Um, my agent, the agent Rice is really good about um, recalling details, just kind of like photographic type memory. He doesn't want to write anything down where anybody here might, you know, question it. Yeah. And, and as you look at the third picture of a different crowd, you see the same individual. You see him in every picture, except for the one that's denoted as the first crime scene. So he's in four of the five crime scenes. Yes. And as you're looking over these photographs, you hear the door open behind you and the door closes behind you. And as you turn around, you see a maybe five foot four African American female officer standing there. She kind of looks around, sees it's only you. She approaches you, and in a low voice, she says, Hello, Agent. I'm Officer Patricia Hill. I believe you are all here because of me. Uh, yes, Officer. A pleasure to meet you. Yes, um, yes, we are. I am the one who called this in to uh, our fellow friend. Uh, I, I got to tell you, it, because of from what I've seen of the crime scenes and the bodies, uh, this didn't strike me as being something typical. They, they all evoke memories of descriptions my granny would share with me, or the kinds of rituals she used in an effort to summon forces beyond this world's veil. Uh, I know the folks around here believe in a lot of things, ethereal, and afterlife, voodoo, hoodoo, 
the raising of the dead and controlling them, things that might be identified by those of us in the know as uh, hypergeometry. Hmm. Talk, talk to me a little bit more about these uh, these rituals that your your grandmother. You say she she performed these um, often in your presence. Yeah, when I was a little girl, when um, she would perform these things, shortly after you could just see that the the life in her eyes would just go out. And uh, although I've never done it myself, I I've done some research into it, which is kind of how I got on the agency's radar. Uh, but uh, I know that she started to go a little insane every time she would do these kinds of things. And I have a feeling that whatever's going on here, we're seeing the same harmonious repercussions, only on a grander scale. Almost as though somebody's turning up the volume of what's going on here. Is your, is your grandmother, forgive me for asking, is your grandmother still with us? She's still alive? No, I'm afraid Granny's been, been long gone since her days long gone. May, may I ask what, what um, she passed or died of? From what we could tell, it was either a, most likely an aneurysm had taken her. We She had been dead for a couple of days. Nobody had really known anything about it. She was in her own house at the back of the back of the yard and we just went to go check up on her because we hadn't seen her in a while and we found her in a room surrounded by feathers and bottles of white rum and long burned out candles and whatnot. But the the room itself was was eerily cold and uh I remember my, my mom and, and dad, they had got me out of there as quick as possible. And uh, I think that's what kind of made me want to know more about it is what happened to, to Granny. So, so officer, based on, on your experience with your grandmother as a child and what you saw um, her perform, we'll call it, can you draw any type of inferences or conclusions to what, what these pictures are... Um, or these these really tragic and just gruesome type of deaths. I would have to say that this person you're looking for, he might be using things that are best left to the cosmos rather than to man. Because if he is using what I believe to be a form of hypergeometry, this causes fabrics to unravel. And the implications of whatever he does may reach further than just New Orleans. He's going to have to be stopped, Agent. He's going to have to pay the debt for what he's unleashed. And I just hope your handle has sent you out here to deal with him proper. Um, let's just say that we're, you've got the right agents here to take care of this particular situation. Well, I, I saw that the rest of your team just showed up before I came in here. The other four agents, right before the lieutenant came out to greet him. And you hear there's a commotion going on in the background out there. And after a few moments, you see the door open. And it's Lieutenant Fontenot. And he, he's looking at you, Rice, and he looks at Officer Hill and looking back and forth for a minute. He's like, 
I, uh, I don't, I hope I ain't disturbing anything, Agent, any of your concentration, but, uh, I hate to say it, but there's been another, another body. This makes six deaths in four weeks, three in just the last 48 hours. What the hell's going on around here? Let's go, move your ass, we gotta get on out to the latest crime scene. Let's go. And then, we'll pick that up next session, guys. Nice. Yeah. Damn. Damn, son. Hope Ramirez. I hope Ramirez is getting some sleep. He's gonna need it. Try get some bed. Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard Twenty Podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Amazon Podcasts, and Audible. And if you like what you're listening to, leave us that five-star rating and review. We have also have a YouTube channel at Roll the Hard 20, so if you're into watching, head on over and hit that subscribe bell. We can also be found in the wild on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so don't forget to look for us there and check us out. You can also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com where you can download the current show directly, pick and choose past shows from our archives, or view our galleries. We've got a lot of stuff posted there, so check us out. And finally, join us on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash RollTheHard20Podcast where you can become a hard slinger and pick up swag. So until next session, Keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.